very excited to be here as we are in a series called Not As Planned. And I love that. And I was thinking about just doing something like random, be like, all right, well, I have a message here planned that the Lord helped me uh, pre prepare. But how about we take things to the ancient church and just read the Levitical law over and over and over again and see if you guys enjoy that and do it as planned. And I'm like, no, they probably would not come back if I just read through the Levitical law over and over again. But it's such a great thing to talk about because I think sometimes we have this expectation of what our Christian life is going to be. We have a plan on what life is going to look like after we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And sometimes it's, oh, life is going to be easy. I'm going to breeze through. I'm going to coast, cruise control, because Jesus, you take the wheel, so I am going to hit the sauna and the spa, and I don't got to worry about the piloting, because you got the wheel. And then we get thrown a curveball over and over again, and we're like, what? Like, what's going on here? This is not the life that I had planned for myself. And when I think about what the Christian life actually is, I think of a fireworks show. Yeah, I love a fireworks show. A good old fireworks show with the finale at the end and like that pause in between like the show and the finale and the suspense is building and you take out your camera and you're waiting for it and you're trying to get a picture of all the 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 lights and the flares and all of that. But what happens is our life is like a fireworks show where these shots are going up and it's like, bam, God, you did that amazing thing in my life. It's like, bam, God, you helped me get out of debt. Bam, God, my sister got saved. And all these amazing things are going on in your life. And then there's this period of the pause. There's this period where you're waiting, and then we expect the finale to be that point when we become a Christian. We expect this finale, this fireworks show to go off after we have seen God do all these amazing things in our life. And then it's that pause where we decide, am I going to give my life to Christ or am I going to turn away? And sometimes that finale never really takes place. And what I mean by that is when we become a Christian, we don't really feel this amazing sense of like flares and boom, bing, bang. It just kind of feels like, like, like the baptism and the salvation. All of that's very exciting. We cheer and we shout. And then after that, the next day just feels like any other day that you woke up. And sometimes our Christian life doesn't go as planned because it's that period of the pause. And then that finale doesn't take place. So we disregard everything else that Jesus has done in our life. And then the Christian life suddenly seems like this boring life that we live where nothing exciting takes place and we don't look at the show that's before us. And I'm going to break the ice a little bit here and tell you the finale, the big boom bang show is when Jesus Christ comes back. And sometimes we think that that show, the finale is all about us in that moment that we become saved and we're waiting for in our life to feel it every single day to experience this amazing Christian life that we preach about every single week, this amazing Christian life we tell our neighbors about every single week, and we get bored while we wait for the finale to take place, but the finale isn't really about us. It is about Christ coming back and everything that he's going to do 
for us in our life. And we all have this expectation of what Christ can do in our life when we become a Christian. That debt is gone. I got a brand new car. I bought a house. All these other things in our life. But then that curveball gets thrown. And we're like, whew, am I prepared for this Christian life? Ooh, can I handle it? Can I get through it? Well, this is n- nothing new, to be honest. We're not the only ones who might have felt this period of waiting, this period of expectation that has been let down because we have hyped it up and our plans have fallen through the cracks. The disciples actually went through a similar thing in the book of Acts chapter 1. But before we go ahead and read God's word, I just want to go ahead and uh Pray for us and for the message. So if you would, go ahead, bow your head, and close your eyes. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, for this day that we have, even though it's a little bit cold and it's technically spring spring, spring break, and I don't really get that, but the pollen is, is, is out of control. So it must be, be spring, springtime. We just thank you so much for waking us up and bringing us here. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room right now who's stuck in this period where they're waiting, where, where, where they can relate to the story that I just said. Lord, I just pray that they can take away uh, what to do in this period that we wait for the finale, that we wait for you to come back. Lord, I pray for the problems that are encompassed in this room, whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's outside sources of life, that we can all just trust you a little bit more and we can live a faithful life. I'm going to pray for the message, pray for our lives. We love you. We thank you for, for your holy name and who you are to us. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Like I said, the disciples went through this period of waiting and this passage. I love this passage so much because I try to put myself in their shoes. It is when Jesus Christ ascended. Last week, you know, is Resurrection Day, and we celebrate when Jesus conquered the cross and he rose from the dead. And we thought that was a fireworks show. We thought that was a big boom bang, the finale. But even that was a part of the show. The finale is when Jesus Christ comes back. But after that, this period is the, is the ascension when Jesus Christ goes to sit on his throne in heaven. Amen. And we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 1 with the disciples here with Jesus Christ right before he leaves. So starting in verse 6, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and the word of the Lord says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? In other words, is the fireworks show about to see the finale? Is everything you said you would accomplish for our our nation, for our people, about to take place now? Verse 7, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. In other words, Jesus is saying, mind your beeswax. In other words, Jesus is saying, that's not why I came here. I came here to bring salvation. I came here to usher the kingdom. I came here to die on the cross for your sins in obedience to God. 
the Father, this liberation, this freedom you are talking about, that's to come. So mind your business. You don't need to worry about that right now. And like I said, I love to put myself in, this, in their shoes. And I just imagine, well, what do we do now? This is everything we hoped and dreamed for. What do we do now? Sometimes when you ask a question like that in the Bible, it answers it in the verses to come. But you will receive power. We all love that word, power. It just It's fun to say power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among the men of Galilee. They said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. First of all, I'll be mad at the angel. Like, okay, I get it. You're with the presence of God every single day in paradise. You see this type of stuff take place every single day. But let me enjoy this. Like, Jesus just got taken up into the glory of heaven by a cloud. I haven't seen that type of stuff yet. Let me just watch and enjoy this. But they were like, what are you doing? Like, go on with your lives. Like, stop staring at this. I'd be like... Angels, please. As far as Michael and Gabriel, that sounds like something they would do if you know them. But there's four things. There's four things that I see here about how life does not always go as planned, particularly in our Christian life and following Jesus Christ. And there's this period of the waiting. They're waiting for the fulfillment of Jesus Christ with the fireworks show, the finale to come back and for Jerusalem to be set free. No more slavery, no more bondage, no more oppression by the Romans or the Persians or the Babylonians or the Assyrians, everything that ever took place in the nation. They want the freedom. And they all had an expectation of this through Jesus Christ. They weren't the only ones. The nation as a whole had this expectation of what Christ would do. And it's the reason why many of the Israelites did not trust in Jesus Christ is because they thought he would be a political ruler, a king to sit at the throne, but in actuality, he was a servant who came to bless them and serve them and reveal the Father to them. But I relate to them, too, because the truth is we all have expectations of what Jesus Christ would do for us. We all have some expectation of what Christ would do for us in our life. We become a Christian, and it's that, it's, it's that amazing day where we enter into a family, a family we never thought we would have, the family who's sitting right next to you guys right now, which is kind of cool to think about. Like, we're family united through the blood of Jesus Christ in this room, and that's kind of a profound thing. That's a thing that the earth was not expecting to receive. And when that takes place, we expect to cruise through life. We have it planned out that life 
is going to be easy. No one in my family will ever die. Why? Because I believe in you, Christ. I'm a Christian. That doesn't happen in Christian life. And then your grandma passes away and life crumbles between your feet. Okay, I'm a Christian now, which means that the blessings are just going to like shower on my face. I'm going to wake up in the morning, open up the curtains, and the sun is going to punch me in the face with blessings after blessing after blessing. We have that expectation. And then when things get tough, when we lose a promotion to a person who's not as equipped or qualified as we are, we get angry. And all these expectations that we have and we have built up for us kind of make the Christian life seem unappealing. These expectations that we have, a lot of them, the promises that Christ has made actually point to his coming again. And that's what the Israelites failed to realize, too, is they expected all the blessings, all the promises right now. But half the times when we look back in the, pro, the prophetic books and it talks about what Christ would do for us in our life is pointing to the second coming, not the first. And then the, uh, and then the uh, chapter in Isaiah uh, 53, when it talks about how Christ would die and suffer, we tend to overlook that. As that was what the first coming was made for. And these promises that we have in the Bible for the healing of all pain, for the paradise, for that easy, glorious life, it's not for this life we live here, but it's for the life that we live forever. And sometimes we fail to, to, to acknowledge that the expectation that we have isn't really for this life, it's for the life that's to come. Is for the life when we cross the finish line. Because when we cross the finish line, it ain't the end. It's the beginning of eternity. That's the cool thing about that. The second thing that I see here is we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And a lot of times we think that the Holy Spirit is this scary, mystical thing. Like, what the heck is the Holy Spirit? I don't even know. I just know that he is real. It's hard to describe what the Holy Spirit is, but when I think about the Holy Spirit, I can't help but think about the force. Any Star Wars fans inside of here? Okay, a few of you have raised here. I love Star Wars, and any time I can incorporate that into a sermon, I get filled with joy because it's like two birds with one stone get to preach the word of God and share my love for Star Wars. Ever since I was a wee lad, I loved Stars. I had the Lego sets, I had the clothes, I was a geek and I loved it and I miss it and now I am a closet geek because I don't want to be judged and people make fun of me so I hide away but now it is time to share my love for Star Wars and I think about the force as a power of the Holy Spirit in our life and Yoda said this is my ally the force, and I just get goosebumps every time I think about that. You see Yoda, like he walks around with his hand, and sometimes we think that's what the Holy Spirit does in our life, is it gives us this power, that fun word that we talked about, where we can just like wave our hand and be like, that person needs to hear Jesus. And then we walk over to, to, to him with this power of the Holy Spirit, and we share the gospel, and then things don't go accordingly, they get angry, and they make fun of us, and they mock us, and the plan that we have because we have the power of the Holy Spirit gets crushed and falls through the cracks. I have a story 
there was one day I got off of work in Chicago, and it's like 9 o'clock at night, maybe 8, and a buddy of, of mine and myself were waiting for the bus to, to, to come so we can go back to our dorm rooms. Uh, and he's asking me about a paper I was writing. I don't even remember what the paper was about, but it was, big. It was like six, eight pages, and that's like a good amount where like, I can't just like wake up in the morning and be like, okay, here's my paper. I have to put a little bit of work into a paper of that size, and it's really not a lot, but it takes thought, and I'm excited. I'm sharing with, 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 with him and all of these uh, exciting things that I learned and I study and research, and this guy in front of us, maybe like in his 50s, like 55 or something, you can see like he's poking back a little bit, he's staring back, and I can see like he's paying attention to the conversation that we're having, and finally he had enough, he turns around and he said, y'all sound crazy. I literally laughed at him. I, I, I was so taken back that someone says that. This was my exact Response. I'm not an actor, so please forgive me for my poor skills of acting. But I said, <laughs> "Excuse me." I was so tired. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And then he just started yelling at us, like, like yelling, like, "Oh, you guys believe in this power, and you see the earth through these little goggles that everything is peaches and creams and unicorns and butterflies, and life don't work that way. And you and you live your whole life thinking this, this, the, the, this whole God thing is real, and you are crazy. So now it's time for me to be like." This is my ally. It is the Holy Spirit, not the force. And I put my hand out, and I started saying, you need to hear Jesus Christ. And it didn't work. He was so, <laughs> he was so angry and resilient to Christianity where the bus came, and, I, you know, I paid for the bus fare, and he does too. And I go to the back of the bus, uh, and I wave him to come and continue this conversation because I wanted to talk to him a little bit more and ask him, like, why are you so angry at God, because he's obviously, like, has some type of anger towards God, which means he somewhat believes in God, but he has a misunderstanding of God. That's the way that my mind works. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want to. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're supposed to help me out here. Draw him towards me. And um, he did come towards me when it was his time to get off, only to say, he was at the front of the bus. He came all the way to the back of the bus to wish me good luck on life. How insulting is that? He did all of that after I waved him to say good luck on life. And once again, I was so taken back. I laughed at him. I said, excuse me? And then he left, and I never saw that guy again. But sometimes we think that the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us means that we'll be able to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. And everyone will always say yes to us in our life because we have this power inside of us, but what the power of the Holy Spirit, which is actually cool because we're told through the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is in us, and that power is the same power that rose Christ from the dead. Like When you think about that, and that, that's what's inside of us, like that's what lives and indwells inside of us, is the same power that rose Christ from the dead. It should prompt us to want to use that power more often. And all that power means is we have the ability to live the life of Christ. We have the ability to do the work of Christ every single day. It doesn't mean that people will always say yes. Because if that's your expectation, that's your plan, don't. 
Just throw that away. Throw that away. Let's get real. People will say no. People will get angry. People will mock and make fun of you. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to pick ourselves up and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them. And hopefully one day they come around, but I'm going to move to the next guy. I'm going to move to the next girl. I'm going to move to the next teenager, child, old person, whatever it might be. I'm going to evangelize and share the love of Christ. But what we do often in our life is we neglect the power of the Holy Spirit, is we neglect the work of Christ and the responsibility that we have to do that. Having the Holy Spirit inside of us and not doing the work of Christ is like having lights, electricity, but we fill the room with candles and we turn them off. It's like having a mower, like a good one, like one you can ride and like do like a donut in the grass and all that. Like one of the really fancy dancy ones, but cutting your grass with some scissors. That's what it's like when we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we don't do the work of Christ every single day. It's those plans that we have are often, often thrown away. The third thing that I see is we are on a mission. And it's because of the Holy Spirit in our life that we are on this mission in the first place. You might be like, Matt, what is that mission? I want to know what mission each and every single one of us are on in this room. I'm glad you asked me that because the Bible has an answer. In verse 8, we see the promise, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit in the second half, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You will be my witness and tell people about me everywhere. In other words, Jesus is saying, you will serve me. You will serve me in the communities. You will serve me in your family. You will serve me in your marriage. You will serve me in your work because we are on a mission. And the way that we, ex- we prolong this fireworks show of Christianity Because I'll be real, I want to feel excited in my Christian life. I want to feel like Christianity is a fun life to live, whether I just accepted Christ or whether I'm on my deathbed. I want to be excited. And the way we do that during this period of waiting, during this gap where we're just standing up into the heavens, waiting for Jesus to come back, is fulfilling this mission. If you have ever share the gospel with someone else, even if they say no and get mad, you know it's still exciting. You know there's just something about it. It's like, yo, this is a roller coaster. This is like a sci-fi film. Like, I am excited. I am engaged. If you ever served the community you live in through a serve day or something else that you put on, you know you feel this excitement, this energy just going through your veins. And oftentimes what we do is we neglect the mission that we are on and life starts to feel boring. This waiting period feels long. This waiting period just seems like, like, like we're just going through the day, like routine. It feels very routine. That's not what the Christian life is supposed to be. That's not the plan that the Christian life is supposed to have. It's supposed to be exciting and fulfilling the mission that we are on helps us, 
helps us prolong that firework show so that, so that waiting gap is as small as it can possibly be and the finale is right there around the corner. But sometimes we neglect that. And the fourth thing that I see here is that we should not get stuck in the cycle of waiting. Don't get stuck in the cycle of waiting. And the cycle of waiting is this. I actually found this, this out through my long, intensive experiences of waiting. One in particular, the DMV. Now, here the DMV is great. I just got a license here in Georgia a month ago. I was in and out in like 10 minutes. Like just randomly, I went there. It is so easy. Y'all have like 18 of the little booths with people there. I flew by, but back home in Florida, it is awful. There are people in the DMV all day, every day. I don't know why. And there's like five booths there. Um, and like a thousand guys waiting to go through that door. Uh, but one day I woke up early, which I don't like to do. I like to sleep in a little bit uh, at like 8 o'clock in the morning. And I went there. The doors were still closed. And there was a line. I'm like, what did I get myself into? Like there's a line before the building even opens. And as I'm walking towards this line, more people beat me there. And the line just keeps on getting longer and longer and longer, and I learned that there's a cycle that takes place when we wait, and it's the same thing that takes place in traffic. There's certain things that take place when we wait, and the cycle of waiting is this, is that when we wait, it creates boredom. Waiting creates boredom. We become bored. We're sitting there, we're twiddling our fingers, we're on our phones, on Facebook, seeing all the pictures of dogs and cats that our friends are posting, and we get bored then boredom creates apathy. Boredom creates apathy. And apathy is this fancy word, if you don't know, for when you just don't have the willpower, when you're very net negative and lazy and hostile, it's apathy. You become apathetic, unengaged, disinterested, and then apathy creates resentment. Once you're at that point where you have this apathy in your veins, you become resentful. And the last thing that we should do in our Christian life is become resentful in our Christian life. It's okay to become resentful at the DMV and waiting in traffic because then every little, little, little thing gets you mad. Every little thing ticks you off. It's like a lady comes in front of you and be like, hey, my husband's there. Can I skip in front of you so we can leave at the same time? Like, no, I've been here for an hour. Get out of here. And you become angry because this cycle of waiting has festered inside of you and taken root. And sometimes the same exact thing happens in our Christian life. It's during this period where we are waiting for the finale to take place because we haven't felt it or experienced it in our life. Because like I said, it ain't about us. It's when Jesus Christ comes back. We're part of the fireworks show, and we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're not using the Holy Spirit. We're not fulfilling the mission that we are called to do in our life. We become resentful. We become resentful towards God, towards the Bible, towards prayer and worship, and we become bored 
in our career. And I say we because I've been there. I've waited. I've waited. I've waited. And then I learned, hey, this life really ain't about me. It's about the mission preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ. And when we are able to take that mission into our everyday lives and be bold, and I mean like, like bold, like a capital B graffiti bubble letter font bold, life gets pretty exciting. Life gets pretty interesting. And the plan is not for life to be easy. The plan is not for life to just coast through because nowhere in the Bible does it say life will be easy. We have the promises of heal, 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 healing and no more pain and sorrow, but that's towards the finale. That's towards the second coming when we're in the presence of God forever in heaven. Life still might be hard. Life still might throw a curveball. But at least when our plans are accurate and our expectations are not a fabricated dream, then we're able to prepare well. Then we're able to, 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 to change the way we respond and fix our focus on the important things in life. But sometimes, more than often, life is not as planned. And it starts with our expectation of the Christian life. But man, when we fulfill that mission, when we go out and we do a serve day, we lead a life group, we join a life group, life gets pretty exciting. And that's the challenge. You might be asking, well, Matt, how can I take my faith to that next step? How can I feel the fireworks once again? Well, think about what you have done. A lot of times we just come and leave church, which is fine. You're welcome. You're welcome. Come and leave church. But man, life gets boring when you just come and leave church. Have you ever joined a life group? If not, write on the, on the communication card and say, I'm interested in life group. Okay, Matt, I have attended life group for five years. I've come and left church for 10 years. Life has got boring. Have you ever thought about leading a life group? Have you ever thought to take that challenge to actually step up and lead? Life gets pretty fun when you lead a life group. People dump their garbage on top of you, and you get to counsel them and mentor them and disciple them and pray with them. That's pretty exciting. The garbage is stinky, but to clean it up is exciting. Have you ever participated in a serve day? Yes, Matt, I have. Have you ever led a serve day group? There's always something else we can do in our life to feel the fireworks that we are supposed to. Have you ever shared your faith with a stranger? That's scary. I'll admit, that's scary. That's something I am not good at. The Lord has equipped me to be able to take his holy word and prepare a sermon through his help and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. But to share my faith with a stranger, that is scary, but it is exciting when you do. Have you ever done that? There's always something more you can do in your life to feel the fireworks of Christianity. Can I go ahead and pray for you guys this morning as we close up? Lord, we just thank you so much for what you do for us in our life. Lord, I pray that we can all feel this fireworks show in our life. I pray that we can all feel excited to serve you. We can feel excited 
to love you. We can feel excited to fulfill this mission in our life, Lord. And I just pray that if anyone inside of here is feeling bored in their Christian life, as sometimes we do, that they can take their faith to that next step. And that we can prepare for the finale. We can prepare for you to come back and make everything perfect. Lord, we lift up your holy name. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen.